And we're live. Welcome, Pranav, to the Dining Out podcast, where we create connections over conversations while the Dine app creates connections over the love of food. Thanks for joining us today. So for those who don't know you, would Thanks you mind telling me a little bit about Marcia. yourself and what you do? Absolutely. So right now, currently, I am uh, one of the directors at the Knowledge Society. What it is, it's essentially a tech accelerator for teens. So I kind of thinking think about it almost as like Olympic level training, but for nerds. So these are teens. They're really smart. They want to do big things in the world, but uh, need more tools and resources to make that happen. Uh, so I work at TKS and we coach students for about 10 months. And really the end goal is when they leave TKS, they leave with almost like a 10X mindset about doing things in the world. And super hopefully we'll also have the tools to make mm -hmm. that happen. Uh, but before that, before that, the way I know Parsa is through EADUBC. So I spent the last three, three years of my life essentially as um, a venture manager here at EADUBC. I spent a lot of time coaching ventures, helping ventures get to market. And that's how I met Parsa. And also yeah, how I met Arno, uh, who's a lot less, uh, confidence, a lot more wacky ideas. You have to set us straight a little bit, which is good. <laughs> exactly. Back into the listeners ideas. don't even that's, know about that's food, how but we'll get to that in another episode. Yeah. I think. <laughs> with with Dine. Um, so since we are a foodie podcast, though, I do like to ask everyone <laughs> this question to start. I mean, let's you know the readers know whether they can, we're going to be best friends and mortal enemies. And although although we're friends, I do have to ask you this because I haven't asked you it just yet. But if you had to choose one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Hmm. So I, okay, so I've thought about this question a lot, and uh, it's an Indian dish. So it's it's something called it's like curd rice. So when I was in high school, I went to a boarding school and I would have the exact same meal for every dinner. It's just curd and rice together. And it's pretty bland, but it's one of those things that I've just eaten for so long that it just gives me a lot of comfort. And if I were to eat the, the same thing every day, it would be that because that's what I did for two years. That's it was literally just curd, rice, uh, salt and it? pepper. That's that's essentially what it was. But it was so. Um. Yeah, we call awesome. it. Uh, and if you were salad. to go out it's to a like, restaurant, like would you order that too, or something else? Uh, so it's my yeah, it's been my. Oh hell no! But if it's like one thing for the rest of my life, it would be the first one. But um, mm. but otherwise, I kind of it's it's the Indian biryani. There's a place called Kesari uh, Kitchen here downtown. So it would be the it would be. I mean, Arnav has definitely gotten me into. Do you biryani? Is that something you do a lot? But I have this horrible uh, thing where I can't remember names that well. So I just say, Arnav, you order for me. And then whenever it comes out, I'm like, what is this? And he's like, it's biryani or it's, you know, cure or whatever it is. And I'm like, this is really tasty. And then, then I say, I forget what it was called. And I'm like, There's, we ordered 20 things and I don't know what, what was what. And it's just, it's just so difficult. But I really enjoy it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I know you've probably answered this many times. Question. What is it for you? No, none of the guests have asked me that so far. I have a lot of different favorite foods. Um, I think it depends where I am. So if I'm at my apartment, I'm a big fan of the mushroom risotto that I like to make. If I'm at home with my parents, uh, my father makes excellent Persian kebabs that I absolutely adore. If I'm going out, I'm a big fan of sushi or like a bibimbap um, or you know some Indian food when I go with, with my co-founders. 
it's super buried and I can't decide. And that's kind of the issue, <laughs> which is why I asked everybody. So I can get some, some new inspiration. <laughs> yeah. Um, so first that's at ADBC, cool. then at TKS, sort of what motivated you to go from helping, you know, ventures to helping aspiring teams? You know, I think a lot about what it's like to be 13, like that age of 13 to 17. And you look at who's around you in your environment. So you're going to school. So it's likely that you're working with a lot of teachers and you're, lot, you know, you're working with a lot of you know, your friends in school. And I'm realizing that when you're 13 to 17, and if you really want to do something in the world, there's really, where do you really go? Because the, in the interviews that we do to get students in, I remember I was talking to this 15-year-old kid. She moved from Nigeria to Vancouver like just a couple months ago. And she just kept saying she mm. hates being told that she's too young. That's like every time she says she has big ideas, she immediately gets the, you're too young. You don't know what you're doing. And hearing that consistently, it, it's kind of demotivating, right? And so when I talk to them and I think, holy, they're 13, 15, they, they have the time and resources to want to do big things. They just don't know how, right? And really that's, so before I came to TKS, I worked a lot with kids and I started to see that like kids really want to do something, but they don't have the tools to, and they're not taken seriously enough to want to do those big things. And so for me, I was like, what a cool opportunity to make an impact on somebody that's still young, that's still forming their viewpoints in the world, like 13 to 17, right? And that's the opportunity. And also not just viewpoints, but they get to learn about emerging technologies. They get to learn about mindsets. And that stuff compounds. Like imagine hearing that at 13. Like imagine hearing about stoicism, philosophy, you know, self-awareness, things like that at the age of 13. And that stuff compounds real fast. So really in a nutshell, I saw that opportunity because I was working with entrepreneurs much later stage, but I saw an opportunity to work with youth much earlier on because i know that's where they're forming their viewpoints of the world and i know there's so much more so i think the way that, that i would define what you do best is just in one word is, is mentor and it's just, you know you've been one of the sort of most uh long-term mentors in our company and i've really appreciated your wisdom and I'm, so i'm interested sort of what drives you to become a mentor what's the what's the why behind your sort of your path as this person who leads others I think about Arnov a lot, actually, because when I think about Arnov, so Arnov, I've been, I guess, mentoring and a friend to Arnov for a while. But there is the, there's something about when I see somebody's potential. So this is what I think about mentoring. When I think of mentoring, uh, it is seeing somebody's potential when they don't see it themselves, right? And my job is just to get them from this point to that point. So. For me, when I meet people, when I met Arnova the first time, like his potential was here. And he was here in the terms of he's getting started, he's on his way there. And to be that person that can just guide somebody to get from this potential to that potential, there's like nothing like it. And to see where you guys are at now and to see some of the other companies that over time and have been working with me to see like they've met their potential and it's still kind of growing. There's nothing more, more rewarding than that. Also, for me, it's like a way to get involved without being too much into it, if I were to be really selfish as well, right? 
So for me, mentoring. So at EWBC, had the unique experience of like mentoring many companies. And what's really fascinating about that is I almost built like a database of experiences in my head, right? So let's say this company, you know, building this climate tech venture, uh, I see their progress and I get to learn from their experience. And then when somebody else comes in asking for particular advice or guidance, there's experiences that I've had just coaching with many companies that I'm able to just bring a lot of value that way. So that's kind of, there's a selfish intent to mentoring there as well, that I get to learn from people's experience, what they're getting along the way. And, have you, and then I can pass it along to others, right? Have you seen so that sort of, of the way you the do life. that shift? You know, I know you met Arnav before the pandemic, but sort of through that process, you know, how has that mentoring become different? Is a lot of phone calls on Zoom or is it just sort of like been cut off? How did you, how did you make sure that you kept up the, the pace in some way? By pace, you mean like people how I just kept up the relationship to, to, to the people that I mentioned? How did the pandemic really affect your, your space? Ah, uh, to be honest, it, it really didn't. Uh, I found it, you know, like it's, it's interesting with entrepreneurs, very resilient. So we immediately got on Zoom. So surprisingly enough, it didn't, the, the, the nature of the relationship didn't change, but the nature of the coaching did. I noticed that during the pandemic, a lot of my coaching and mentorship was less like technical and was more like mindset, right? And I think that's what's been interesting. Like, I think my, my mentorship and coaching practice has shifted over the years. It started off with like, okay, here is this point, this point, this point, this is how you go about this problem. But now I've really stepped back from that. And, and, and now it's more about, okay, how do you think you should go about this? What have you tried so far? and really getting people to move there themselves. So during the pandemic, it was a lot of just me listening, holding space, because there's a lot going on. But it was a lot less like telling people what to do and just telling, just asking more questions and illuminating things so that they know what to do next. Because at the end of the day, entrepreneurs know their business more than I do, right? And all I can do is illuminate, ask questions, like, have you considered this? Have you thought about this? What's going on here? and just empower them to kind of make the decision, empower them to move forward. And that's kind of worked quite well. And that's what I'm going to bring to the kids I work with at TKS as well. Telling, less telling them what to do and more just asking really sort pointed of questions so that they can get to themselves. I discuss is that like this idea of mentorship is sometimes um, it's presented in a way that it seems like they're going to be doing all the work for you. If you have someone who's done the thing you've done five years ago, they're going to tell you exactly what to do and you're going to be able to you know coast through it easily. I know people in my team often ask me, so why are the mentors you give us, you know, not doing the work for us? And I'm, I always say, like, you know, are you are you going to learn more going through it, or are you going to learn more, uh, you know, having it people telling you where the, the 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 pitfalls are without explaining how you get out of pitfalls when you do get into them. And so I'm, I've always tried to sort of balance this thing. And I'm interested in sort of your perspective there of like, um, is there value to more and more uh, almost like day to day mentorship as opposed to more uh, what you what you're talking about of, of just asking um, and key, and holding space. How do you balance those two? That's a great question. I feel like I have two almost, I have a, I have a coach mm -hmm. and have many mentors. I think that's the way I put it. So I have a steady coach. I meet with once a week, um, uh, sometimes once, twice a week. 
And this is the coach that's helping me. It's like holding space. And all the coach is doing is literally asking me questions. How are you doing? What's been going on? And this has been my kind of steady person over the week. And then I have mentors for different things. Like if I want, if I have a technical problem with this particular thing, I know I can reach out to this particular person because they've been there, done that. But can I expect that person to coach me and hold space for me? Not quite, right? And so I've noticed that there's different kind of mentors and different kind of people that I reach out to. So, so for the people on your team, I love it. It's like, yeah, you, you've got to learn how to do this yourself. But at the end of the day, the coach is just, or the mentor is just there to illuminate the path, right? In a certain way, I feel like talking to mentors that have been there, done that, incredibly important that they're a mentor. Like you need to, there's an aspect of speed. If they've been there, done that, you don't want to be recreating the wheel too much. If they can tell you this is kind of how you would go there faster, I would take their advice, right? But at the same time, I think there is a there's a coaching component to it as well, where if I were to coach a company, my goal is to make sure that as a founder, are you able to make decisions yourself or are you relying too much on people outside of you, right? Because if you're a founder building a company, being able to build your own decisions on how to move forward, not rely too much on mentors. That's kind of the place where I want to play is like, can I coach you to think for yourself? Can I coach you to think about what could the next step be if I just ask you a couple of questions? And then if you need something more specific, mentors can help bridge that gap, right? That's kind of how I thought about it. And this is evolving. Like every year yeah. you ask me this question, I'll give you a little bit different answer. But at this time, this is how. And so maybe along that thread, it's like, how do you know you're in the right mentor relationship? Is there a certain, you know, way of a person asking a question to you uh, you know, as as a as a mentee to a mentee to a mentor, or a way that you you give advice in which you feel that you're sort of doing the person the best service. You know, how do you know you're on that right track without the benefit of hindsight? I think I know I'm in a right relationship when it's this trust, and the way I put that is like when there's um. This is a little bit esoteric, but really it is like the right vibe. You know, I think for a lot of mentors that I work with, oh, a lot of mentees that I work with, usually they don't come to me because I have a particular expertise. Like, you know, Pranav knows this thing and I know he can give me a lot of, you know, that's not usually what I people come to me for. So a lot of what people come to me for is like, hey, I just need to think through this. Like, and I trust you to just hold space for me. And I trust that you'll be able to listen to what I have to say. And I trust that you'll be able to give a different perspective on it, right? And so for me, it is, uh, I know I'm in the right relationship when there's that trust and vibe and friendship in a certain way, right? If that isn't there for me personally, like that, that's when I know, like, I'm not able to give that much value. For me, I know that I get the most out of a mentoring relationship, and I know they get the most. If we have like a friendship, we have like, there's a trust. And there's a little bit of a vibe. Well, we have I a know Gen that's Z a audience, esoteric so to say, but it's really important. It and that contributes the to the word esoteric, which I have to look up in the dictionary after this podcast. So. It's a bit funny. I've been saying the word vibe a lot more, and and I kind of use it to just say like connection, right? Like it's like, do I really connect with the person that I'm with? At the end of the day, that's what I think a mentorship relationship. If somebody you really connect with, or a coaching relationship, I would say, like someone that you really connect with. And someone that you trust can like really listen and hold space for you 
and really see, like really know you. And that that really takes a lot of time uh, to, to get to that point, right? So when I think about us and Arnav and the three of us, like we've been, you know, I've been, I've been uh, having conversations with you and working with you guys for about three years now. And I think that a lot of it has to do with the trust and a lot of it has to do with the five, even though I didn't bring a lot of technical expertise. I think what I do bring is just being able to have that conversation and be able to give that and perspective. And sort of tying it into the knowledge the society. Share, right? um, you know, I, I'm guessing you talk to dozens, if not hundreds of students through this process. What's sort of the the value that they're going to get from that non-technical, but more sort of mindset-based mentorship? Let's say two, three, four years on the line, once they get to university, once they graduate, what's the real aim that you're aspiring to and that you, you work every day towards? What I found that 13 to 17 year olds, the Gen Z really good at is learning on their own. So what's good is I don't teach them the technical stuff because they know it themselves. They know how to look at YouTube. They know how to look at Khan Academy. So really, you know, even though we coach exponential or emerging technologies, they spend the time learning that. And the way I think about kind of the coaching is, um, you know, performance is equal to potential minus in interference, right? And if I were to like think about that formula, Potential is where they could be and interference is when, uh, kind of what's getting in the way. And so for me as a director, as a coach, my job is just to remove interference and to continue to make them aware of their potential. That's it. That's like my job, right? And so anything that I can do to maximize potential and minimize interference is what I think would give that value. And the way it plays out over the next couple of years is this is a 10 month process, right? Imagine having an adult that you can talk to every week about mindset, about self-awareness, about 10X thinking, about embracing failure. And you do that every week, that stuff compounds over 10 months, right? And over 10 months, then that starts to just become part of your language, part of your DNA, part of how you think. And so for me, as I do the coaching, that's what I'm doing. So I'm maximizing for potential, minimizing for interference, and I'm continuously making sure that I'm coaching them through those mindset practices. Because if I do that and now- And I wonder if there's sort of a community aspect there as well. You know, you provide this service to the community of TKS, but then what do the TKS students do amongst their peers and their friends and their communities? And how does it sort of evolve and grow? I love this. This the interesting about this community mm -hmm. because you have a community of people of really tech nerds, just a bunch of nerds. Like we have two thousand nerds graduating to be, you know, part of TKS. And I find it so fascinating. Co-founders come out of this. Like research joint projects come out of this. There's something about the network effects here at TKS where when a kid joins. They're just not joining for the session, but they're joining an alumni community. So let's say they need to find a job at a particular company. They know they can rely on people at TKS to help them get there, right? And like having network effects at, a, at the age of 13 and 17, invaluable. Like to have, to know that I have about 2,000 people here uh, and a group of alumni that have done the program and that are now at some of the biggest companies in the world or running their own companies. They know that once they come into the community that, that's what they have access to. If they either want to, you know, raise capital or they want to talk to founders that have been there, done that, or they want to find a research internship, or if they want to work at Google or SpaceX and you're like, whatever it is, we just have TKS grads all across mm -hmm. the globe and they know they can kind of leverage that, right? 
at the age of 15 or like 13 or 17. And then sort of how does that, that, uh, that vision of yours evolve, you know, as you're going forward? And I know this is sort of a new position, but in the next sort of two, five, 10 years, what is the role of Pranav in, in the greater scheme of things? <laughs> so you're asking me, what do I yeah, want to, like, who do I want to be prime minister or president? Is that, is that or what it is? Seeing 10,000 TKS students coming out of this program and all being, <laughs> you know, Google founders, what's the, what's the ultimate vision and how are you going to get there? Hmm. So I have a TKS outcome and I have an, a personal outcome. TKS built, you know, because we want to build more, um, I don't want to see Elon Musk types because there's lots of things around Elon Musk, but really it's just that Elon Musk type people that are willing to come out into the world and just be bold and want to solve problems. That's what we want to graduate. Like we're optimizing for people like that. People that are just, they see a problem and they want to do something about it. So imagine about 10 years from now, we're looking to graduate more than 20 to 30,000 students in the next 10 years, if not more, right? We're looking to get about 10,000 students per year, part of these programs. So hopefully in the next five years, we're just starting to build a network community of really, of high performing students. And so for me, I see at TKS, we just have a global community of people that want to help each other solve problems, right? So that's kind of at a TKS level. And I think I'm going to be here for a while to, to help enable that. For me personally, I'm, I'm yet to discover that. I'm more and more learning that coaching and helping people becoming their best selves is just my thing. It's where I naturally drive. It's where I naturally think. It's where people naturally connect with me. It's why people come to me. And so I've thought about building a company, but at this time, that's not really, really my objective. I think I'd rather be in the business of helping people excel and just be contributing to people's lives. So in the next 10 years, I think I'm just going to continue to do the same thing. If not at TKS, I'll find other ways to coach people, right? So that's just where I think that's what I'm going to be doing in 10 years. I just don't know in what vehicle. It may be still at TKS. It may be somewhere else, but I know it's going to be around coaching, enabling, and well, I've seen a people. lot of people just, just you know, just the ones we've interviewed and the ones in our space, like say very similar things when they were, when they were in their interviews 10 years ago. And all they did from that point was like, you know, write some blogs on let's say mentoring or, you know, have like mm -hmm. a, 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 a list of question and answers. Like they just made them so that they can like, if they're not present on the, on the, on the phone, you can always like go to the website and find this list of question and answers. And I wonder if there's like a, there's an avenue for you to just like put all your information like into a book or something and like publish a book by Pranav and have it, you know, publish at Penguin House and then have that be the start of your entrepreneurial journey towards, you know, mass market reach. So uh, maybe a long story short to this is, what's been fascinating is, so over the last couple of years, I've had some, you know, I've, I've worked at a suicide hotline, I'm now training in jiu-jitsu, and I've worked with kids. So there's there's lots of interesting, divergent, uh, what, that's not the word, but, Different variety, of, yeah, different variety of things that I've done. And now I'm starting to see a lot of it click. For example, I'm starting to see things in jiu-jitsu that apply to my coaching practice. Like in jiu-jitsu, the big thing I'm learning is I've been a white belt for about two years. So it takes about two years to get to blue. And there's a big mindset of the, you know, a black belt is just a white belt that never quits, right? And when I, you know, so I'm learning to see that, oh, you know what, this I can start to apply to coaching to the people that I work with. 
So the more and more I'm advancing in life, I'm starting to see that all my experiences are kind of converging into like a set of few principles or a set of few mental models for me. And so a part of my kind of practice this year is going to be a lot of writing and communicating that. I would love to share more of that. So actually starting in the, in the next couple of weeks, I'll be putting out a lot more medium blog posts, things on LinkedIn, so that other kids or other parents or anyone else that's looking to identify, like how can they help their kids or even for themselves if they're looking to level up. I'm hoping the mental models that I've picked over the last couple of years, just in my experiences can help people. But you'll be surprised. They kind of, they, they distill down to like five to 10. Like they all relate to there's together actually this, in some this really interesting sure concept to is from a book the called work that Good you do Great. It. Uh, I don't know if you've read it, but it talks about this idea of the hedgehog principle. And that's exactly what you're talking about. You know, a fox can have a million different uh, yeah. ways about trying to eat a hedgehog, but a hedgehog just has one thing that it does. And it rolls into a ball and it's always safe from the fox. And so you can funnel all of your ideas through this one, one lens, whether it be in jujitsu uh -huh. or in mentoring or in answering suicide hotline. That simplifies your mind to expand into what you're sort of most uh, proficient in and not to spend time wasting on, you know, the excess tricks and cunnery of, of the fox. And so you live much more and more gracefully and much more uh, sort of happily as, as a hedgehog. I think it's, it's really interesting that you speak to that even without referencing the, the exact concept. So maybe let me ask you, I don't know, I don't know if you're okay with it, but I want, I'm, I'm curious to hear, what do you think is your like hedgehog? Like, what do you think... Do you oh, yeah. have a filter with which you look at the world? Um, is there like a definitely. singular principle? When it comes to my I'm personal, to that is sort of what I take on for myself, I always think what is going to be putting me in the right space 10 years from now? And it's like, if I, and, and sort of the way I think about that is what's the heaviest burden I can bear on my shoulders? And if I'm not bearing that, um, why not? And if the reason um, is, is trivial and I have too many days where I'm not bearing that sort of uh, that cross on my back, so to speak, even though I'm not Christian, um, you know, that points to me in the right direction to say, hey, you got to fix what you're doing and sort of go back to where you're your best. And so if an opportunity comes in front of me and it doesn't really uh, help me get to that higher ideal, which, which I aspire to, then I know that, you know, I'm not aligned with my hedgehog principle. If I'm spending too much time on, let's say, you know, um, vanity marketing, let's say, for, instead of for the sake, for the sake of the product, you know, if I'm not spending time coding or in, in lieu of, you know, talking to, let's say, an investor for too long. Then I know that I'm probably not focusing on, on my customers and not, I'm not focusing on my customers and I'm not focusing on where I want to be, you know, 10 years from now, which is to have like this company with millions of users and thousands of restaurants all getting service from, from Dine. And so along that sort of Dine lens, I know I can filter things in and out and transit to my personal lens through the idea of sort of radical responsibility and um, maximum sort of weight on your back to get to where you want to go. So if I were to summarize what I'm hearing is like your kind of philosophy is what can I do to really continuously put myself just at my edge? so that I can have opportunities to leverage for the future, essentially. Like you're always looking for ways, but the big part of that is you taking on the max amount of responsibility, just you being on your edge, so that you can get the high level quality of opportunities that you can then leverage for big things in the future. Okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, maybe mine is very similar, but a little bit different as well. Mm. Is It's a philosophy of living life for me is I think about serendipity a lot in my life. Like, how do you create luck and serendipity? How do you get things to come to you? And I had a mentor 
I actually want to shout out uh, Dick Ballard. He's one of our EADVC mentors, and he actually is the one that, that shared this with me. And he said, Pranav, as long as you're curious and engaged in the world, good things will come to you. And it's a very simple thing. But what I'm learning is for me, the way I've created serendipity and things in my life is just I've continuously been engaged, continuously been curious, I've continuously met people and worked with people. And even at TKS, the reason I this came my way is I posted on LinkedIn and then a student found my post, wanted to seek help. And then that's how I found my way to TKS, right? So I feel like as long as we're continuously engaged and doing things in the world and giving back, you're going to find those opportunities come back to you. And I find it relates very much to what you just said. Like you're very engaged in the work that you do at Dine. You're taking on the maximum amount of responsibility. And I think the universe is going to respond by giving you that level of yeah, I mean, I'm definitely I'm betting my I'm, I'm betting my life on it in some way, you know, like hundred percent agree. If but... I wasn't sacrificing the present for the future, I, I you know, what else? What else would I be doing, right? So it's like it's a, it's a no brainer for me, and I hope that I can help people understand sort of that similar mindset, so that they can achieve what they want to do with their lives as well. Yeah, I love I think that. That's almost that's a awesome. natural way to wrap up. Um, where can listeners find you online? Find me on LinkedIn, find me on Instagram, Twitter, any one of those. Just look me up, Pranav Menon. You should be able to and find me between ages on 13 all, and 17. I really hope you check out the Knowledge Society. I know I got a little brother who's going to be signing up pretty soon. So join him and thousands of others in uh, joining this amazing tech uh, community. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thanks so much for coming on Dining Up Pranav. Awesome. Uh, well, please go you. and download Dine today to join our foodie community and start meeting up with interesting people just like Pranav in just five